Welcome, everyone. You are listening to Truth in Christ Radio, the Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. The Canaanites, the Hittites, the, the, the Jebusites, and, and, and the whole lot of them, seven of those nations, continuing to do their wickedness, continuing to take their sons and putting them on the altar, putting them in a, and, and burning them in honor to their false god, hoping to appease the gods of the land. And this happened for 430 years. And finally, God says, I've had enough. I've given them time to turn from their wickedness. Now, Israel, I want you to come out of Egypt. And it took them 40 years. God was preparing them. Meanwhile, he's giving these people much grace, much even more grace. Finally, he says, okay, now I want you to go in, and I want you to cross the Jordan. And the first town I want you to hit is Jericho. I know I am When God says enough is enough, His mercy turns into judgment for disobedience. Welcome, everyone, to Truth in Christ Radio. Today, Pastor Rob takes us on a journey through the Bible which supports the upcoming instructions in the book of Deuteronomy. When God directs His people in a specific manner, He always does it for a reason. God showed mercy on the tribes living in the promised land for over 430 years, but new time would run out for them. God used the Jewish nation to judge those in Canaan for their idolatry, wicked ways, and disobedience. Later, he would have to do the same to the Israelites. Here's Pastor Rob with this important lesson. I fix this thing because I can't fix it. I've tried and I've messed it up. I give it to you. Will you please take care of it? You do that, and the Lord is faithful to do his end, and it may take some time, but you keep crying out to him. I guarantee you, he will respond to your desperate cry. He has never turned his back on any saint who has been honest and open and broken. A broken and a contrite heart, contrite heart, he will no way despise. He will meet with you. So, going back on here, To verse 20, Moses says to them, For you shall follow what is altogether just. Why? Here's the answer. That you may live and inherit the land which the Lord your God has given you. That is why. If you you follow what is just, you are going to live and inherit the land. All of the promises. Do you realize that many of God's promises, at least for the children of Israel, were all based on their obedience? especially when it came to the land and their crops and things of that nature, the physical things, the crops and the, 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 the livestock and all those things, they were tied to obedience. They were conditional promises. If you do this, then I will do this. Now, there are many other promises that we know that are unconditional. God gives unconditional promises. He told Abraham and Isaac and Jacob on three separate occasions, your seed is going to be blessed. To all this land that I'm going to give to you, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob at different times, I'm going to give you all this land, and you, all the peoples of the earth, are going to be blessed. 
And in your seed, in your seed, they will be like the sand of the sea, like the stars of the heavens for multitude. No one could count them. That's an unconditional promise. This is what I'm going to do. But you'll notice all the if-then statements in Deuteronomy. We've looked at them as we've been going through Deuteronomy. God will say, if you do this, I will do this. If my people who are called by my name will, will pray and humble themselves, then I will heal their land. Then I will heal their land. Then I will, if you do this, then I will do this. Let's look at verse 21. And we're going to see that verse 21 is prophetic of what would ultimately happen later on under the reigns of Manasseh, Ammon, and Josiah. These were kings of Judah hundreds of years in the future from when Moses was giving this sermon to the children of Israel. In fact, most of Deuteronomy is prophecy. And we're going to look at this chapter here, this, um, this section here, and we're going to see that God was pointing the finger down the road. He's saying, this is what's going to happen. These are prophecies that were ultimately going to be fulfilled. At the time, they didn't know it, but let's follow along with it. He says, verse 21, You shall not plant for yourself any tree as a wooden image near the altar which you build for yourself to the Lord your God. So when they build an altar, it was supposed to be plain. It was supposed to be an altar made of just earth and rocks, and it wasn't supposed to be something fancy. It didn't have to have a nice border on the top, and everything looked nice and level, and everything looked really beautiful like at Home Depot right? It's not supposed to be like that. It's supposed to be crude. It's supposed to be, don't put a tool upon it. Just put the rocks there, put the altar on top, and there's where the sacrifice is going to be. Because what's going to happen on the altar is ugly. And the altar doesn't have to be beautiful because what's happening on there is an atonement for your soul. Sin is going to be atoned for on that altar. But notice the word for tree here in verse 21. You shall not plant any You shall not plant for yourself any tree as a wooden image. Okay, that word tree in the Hebrew means Asherah. It's actually where we get the word Ashtaroth, which is a Phoenician goddess. or um, She's also called Astarte. She's a Canaanite goddess as well. She's supposed to be the the consort of Baal, so the female counterpart to Baal, this, this supreme deity in Canaanite religion. So we got Ashtarte, or Asherah, and we've heard about that name before. And so what they would do is they would build an image, a wooden image, next to the altar. So they would worship God. Oh, that's great. But then it also had this other thing, just in case. Just in case this thing with God doesn't work out, we've got this other God that we want to appease too. It's kind of like Baskin-Robbins. How many flavors? <laughs> it's like smorgasbord. This God doesn't answer me, maybe that one will, right? Superstitious. God says, no, you count on me alone. All that other stuff is nonsense. All those other gods, those foreign deities, are nothing but demons that you worship. And God is saying, do not put anything like that next to my altar. And in Leviticus chapter 26, verse 1, he says, You shall not make idols for yourselves, neither a carved image nor a sacred pillar shall you rear up for yourselves, nor shall you set up an engraved stone in your land to bow down to it, for I am the Lord your God. And so God is very specific about what he wants and how he is to be worshipped. And it's not difficult. 
It's not difficult. It's not like it's some kind of difficult thing to do. In fact, because you don't have to shape it with a masonry uh, trowel and make this thing look beautiful, it's very simple. It's very crude in its construction. And that's it. Sacrifice on that. That's it. But the natural heart of man is to do what? To rebel. <laughs> it's not good enough. We've got to do something else. We've got to zip it up a little bit. Maybe put some Frank's Red Hot sauce on it or something. We've got to do something to make this thing a little bit more palatable. I mean, look at it. It's ugly. Look at those people. They got everything. There's a lot, you know, order and everything looks really good. They got this beautiful thing. There's lights on it. There's fireworks going off on the sides. People are having a nice time, and we've got to slaughter a lamb on this makeshift thing. Come on, Lord. And the Lord's going, no, that's the way it's supposed to be. It's not supposed to be pretty. Turn with me to Second Kings. We're going to see from the very beginning. Uh, now, obviously, this is prophetic. What we're reading, this passage is prophetic. Verse 21, you shall not plant for yourself any tree as a wooden image near the altar which the Lord, which you build for yourself to the Lord your God. You shall not set up a sacred pillar which the Lord your God hates. This is prophetic because several hundred years from this speaking that Moses was speaking, a man by the name of Manasseh was going to set up a thing. Look at with me at Second Kings chapter 21. We're going to look at the first nine verses. Manasseh was one of the worst kings in Israel's history. In fact, he, he frustrated God so much with the things that he did. Manasseh put things into motion, and he was such a wicked man. Worshiping everything, the host of heaven, he, he was like the worst of the worst of the kings. Notice what happens, Second Kings 21. We're going to look at the first nine verses. It says, Manasseh was 12 years old when he became king, and he reigned 55 years in Jerusalem. Isn't that amazing? For such an evil man, the Lord allowed him 55 years to turn away. Some good kings only had a very short period of time, but he allowed this wicked man, and it doesn't make sense to us, does it? Hmm. Sometimes the Lord allows that, and it frustrates us. We don't understand. Lord, he's wicked. God in his mercy. 55 years in Jerusalem, his mother's name was Hephizbah, and he did evil in the sight of the Lord, verse 2, according to the abominations of the nations whom the Lord had cast out before the children of Israel. Verse 3, for he rebuilt the high places which Hezekiah, his father, had destroyed. Hezekiah was a good king. Now Manasseh comes in, and he's going to destroy what his father did. And he's going to raise up altars for Baal, who was a, uh, a Canaanite deity. And he made a wooden image. And here is the word. This is literally the same word that we read in Deuteronomy 16, verse 21. It's the exact same thing. And this is where it happened. This is the fulfillment of the prophecy, at least one of the times, when Mo God gave it to Moses back here in verse 21 of Deuteronomy 16. God already knew what was going to happen in the future. See, God knows all things. You can't hoodwink him. He knows the end from the beginning. He's, he lives outside of time. In Isaiah 57, verse 15, I think it is, he says, you know, the Lord inhabits eternity. He inhabits eternity. He looks down upon our time here on earth from the very, he can see it as if it's already happened. So he can tell them with 100% accuracy 
when you get into the land, be careful that you don't do this. Oh, why are you saying that to us now, Lord? Just write it down. <laughs> because later on, you're going to read about it, and you're going to beat your chest, you're going to tear your clothes, and you're going to throw ashes on your head thinking, we've done it. God knew the heart. He knew what was going to happen. So, he made a wooden image. We're back in Second Kings chapter 21, verse 3. And, as, and as, as Ahab, king of Israel, had done, and he worshipped all the hosts of heaven and served them, and he built altars in the house of the Lord, of which the Lord had said, In Jerusalem I will put my name. And he built altars for all the hosts of heaven, all this idolatry, all this witchcraft, and he, he, um, for the hosts of heaven in the two courts of the house of the Lord. Verse 6, And he made his son, his son, who should have been heir to the throne, he puts him through the fire, practicing soothsaying, using witchcraft, consulting spiritists and mediums. And he did did much evil in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger. And he even set a carved image of Asherah that he had made in the house of the Lord and said to David, or um, in the Lord had said uh, to David and to Solomon his son, in this house and in Jerusalem, which I have chosen out of all the tribes of Israel, I will put my name forever. And I will make not make the feet of Israel wander any more from the land which I gave their fathers, only if they are careful, notice, only if they are careful to do according to all that I have commanded them and according to all the law that my servant Moses commanded them. But notice, verse 9, they paid no attention. And Manasseh seduced them to do more evil than the nations whom the Lord had destroyed before the children of Israel. So before they even got into the promised land, remember, there were seven nations that God had to deal with. For hundreds of years, while the children of Israel were in Egypt, that 430 years that they were slaves in Egypt, God was giving this land of Canaan, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the, the, the Jebusites, and, and, and the whole lot of them, seven of those nations, continuing to do their wickedness, continuing to take their sons and putting them on the altar, putting them in a, and, and burning them in honor to their false god, hoping to appease the gods of the land, And this happened for 430 years. And finally, God says, I've had enough. I've given them time to turn from their wickedness. Now, Israel, I want you to come out of Egypt. And it took them 40 years. God was preparing them. Meanwhile, he's giving these people much grace, much even more grace. Finally, he says, okay, now I want you to go in, and I want you to cross the Jordan. And the first town I want you to hit is Jericho. Then I want you to hit Ai. Kill everything. Man, woman, child, beast, everything. Don't take any of the gold that's going to be committed to the Lord. But notice, Manasseh was this wicked king. Now turn with me to 2 Kings chapter 23. So there was Manasseh. Once he passed from the scene, his son Ammon reigned. And then finally, Josiah. Josiah. And it says, uh, as you're looking at 2 Kings chapter 23, turn there, but in the verse, in the chapter prior, in chapter 22, at the age of 26 years of age, this young Josiah, who started being king at age 8, and here he is now 26, he, a book of the law was found in the house of God. Josiah reads it, it's read to him, he hears the words of the law, he humbles himself, and then he goes to a prophetess who tells him, you know what? All of these things are true, and God is going to bring all these judgments against the, the nation of Israel. But you know what? Go, go and tell the man who told you to come to me. 
Go tell Josiah the king that because his heart was right and he was tender, it was tender before me, I am not going to do it in your days, Josiah. Notice God's grace again. I'm not going to do it in your days because your heart is after me. You love me, Josiah, and therefore I'm going to wait. Notice in 2 Kings 23 now, this is really important because we're going to see, you know, much time has gone by here, and we're going to look at verses 1 through 6. So remember, Manasseh built this pillar that Moses is telling us about, this, this tree, this wooden image that God had told them, don't do this. Telling them in advance, it's prophetic. And then hundreds of years later, what happens? Manasseh builds the very thing that God had told them hundreds of years earlier not to do. So Manasseh does all this wickedness, then he passes from the scene. Ammon is on the throne for a short time. And then finally Josiah, notice what happens. Now the king, verse 1, sent them to gather all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem to him. And the king went up to the house of the Lord with all the men of Judah, and with him all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and the priests and the prophets and all the people, both small and great. And he read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant, which had been found in the house of the Lord. So those first five books, the Pentateuch, Exodus, or Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, He read the book before them. And then the king stood by a pillar and he made a covenant before the Lord to follow the Lord and to keep his commandments and his testimonies and his statutes with all of his heart. There was no one like this king. Even David. David had a special place in the heart of God. And so did Solomon. Solomon started well, but he didn't finish well. But Josiah, from the very beginning, his heart was single. What an amazing, amazing young man with all of his heart and his soul, to perform the words of this covenant that were written in the book. And all the people took a stand for the covenant. And the king commanded Hilkiah, the high priest, and the priests, or the priests of the second order, and the doorkeepers, to bring out of the temple of the Lord all the articles that were made for Baal, for Ashtoreth, notice, and for all the host of heaven, which his grandfather had put in. And Ammon did nothing. He left them all there. And he burned them outside Jerusalem in the, in the fields of Kidron, which is right there between the Mount of Olives and the Temple Mount today. And he carried their ashes to Bethel. And then he removed the idolatrous priests whom the kings of Judah had ordained to burn incense on the high places in the cities of Judah and in the places all around Jerusalem. And those who burned incense to Baal, to the sun, to the moon, to the constellations, and to all the hosts of heaven. And notice verse 6. And he brought out the wooden image, this abomination that his grandfather Manasseh had set up there in the the house of God, this wooden pillar, this wooden image. He brought out the wooden image from the house of the Lord to the brook Kidron outside Jerusalem, and he burned it at the brook Kidron and ground it to ashes and threw its ashes on the graves of the common people. And so you see here just how... God, again, you know, we're not going to get into chapter 17 tonight. I thoroughly hope to, but it's time to go. So, (laughs) but you see in this, you know, God's, his, his pleading for them and telling them things in advance. And, and again, isn't that what a good shepherd does? Didn't Jesus say that he was a good shepherd? It's what a good shepherd does. He goes before his people and God only, he not only went before the people physically, He said, all you have to do is be obedient, Israel. When you go into the land, into the land of Canaan, just be obedient. When I say go, go. 
I know you're going to be afraid, but just trust me. I will take care of this. If you just obey me, I will go with you. So even now, you know, we're going to see their failings and their, their victories in coming weeks and months. But God even preparing them to go into the land. This is what you're going to see. This is what is in the heart. This is what's in your heart, folks. Without me, this is what you're going to have a propensity to do. You're going to do this. Stay away from that. Don't touch that. You're going to see this, and you're going to be tempted to do that. Stay away from that. Don't even go there. And he tells them this in advance, like a good shepherd does. He's given them everything. And you know, we are no different than the children of Israel. I'm convinced of it. Because people are people. No matter what you are, no matter what nationality you come from, we all struggle with the same stuff. We all struggle with the same things. But God tells us in advance. He tells us in his word. These, are, these things are written for our, our, our teaching, for our admonition, aren't they? They're there for examples for us. Not to discourage us or to um, frustrate us. They're there to, for us to learn from. And honestly, if you examine your own heart as we go through Deuteronomy, and as we get into Joshua and Judges, as we get into, you know, as we get into... Uh, Second uh, Peter, and as we get into Jude, and then we get back into the Gospels again, you know, you're going to see your heart, a reflection of those things. We're no different. But we've been saved by grace, haven't we? Aren't you glad that you're a born-again believer? Your will is no longer your own. We serve a higher purpose. We serve a higher king. We serve the great king of all creation, Jesus Christ, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So thankful to be a child of God. Are you thankful to be a child of God and that he has shown you in advance? Nothing ought to surprise you in this world if you know the word of God. Because if you know the word of God, you're not going to trust yourself. You're not going to trust your own feelings because the Bible has a lot to say about these things. You're not going to trust your own feelings. You're not going to trust your own experiences. You're not going to trust in man so much. You're going to learn some lessons along the road about how not to trust in man. Sometimes you can trust. But a lot of times you get burned. But you can trust God, and he will never fail you. He will never let you down. So be encouraged. Let's stand and pray. Father, we thank you for this time, and Lord, we thank you for the uh, encouragements in your word, Lord, that you have given to the children of Israel. And Lord, as we read these things, Lord, we examine our own hearts this evening. And Lord, tomorrow, Lord, help us to put into practice these things that we're learning through uh, the, the book of Deuteronomy. Lord, as we see the, 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 the victories and the failures of the children of Israel, may we see them in ourselves and realize that we're no different, that we are all the same Lord, you look upon us and you see us. And thank you, Jesus, that by your grace you have indwelt, hopefully all of us in this room, by your Spirit, indwelt by the Spirit of God, Lord. Only now do we even have the propensity, even the the, the ability to resist the things that we know are true of our old nature. Lord, crucify, help us to crucify these old members, these old things in our lives that we might shine forth 
with the very Spirit of Christ in us, radiating to us, uh, through us, in us, and through us, to all those around us, Lord. So thank you for your goodness, Lord. And we just pray, Lord, for your blessing on us tonight as we go. And tomorrow, Lord, have your way with us. We love you so much, and we're so thankful. In Jesus' name we pray. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of Deuteronomy. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. And that number again is 585-586-3140. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, ministry and contact information, our location and service times, and much more. You can even download the radio and sanctuary messages in MP3 format free of charge from the resources link. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester Sanctuary Messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play or Apple Podcast. We are so glad that you could join us today, and if there is any way that we could bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.